0: Good morning. Good morning. All right. Okay, as Nathan said, we are going to be in the book of Ruth this morning. And uh, <clears throat> this is what we consider maybe like our, our first... Small book, <laughs> uh, you know. Up until this point, all the books have been pretty, uh, pretty, pretty big, pretty beefy, a lot of information, all that kind of stuff, you know. So, but this time we get to kind of uh, hunker down and focus on these four little chapters. And I, I think it's important that we don't just skip over this book by any means. Well, I don't think it's, imp- I think it's a good idea to not skip over any book of the Bible. So don't hear that. But, uh, <laughs> um, but specifically Ruth, because I, mean, I realize it's only four chapters. But let's keep in mind that when we're talk about the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1, Ruth is only one of like four women that are mentioned in the entire genealogy. So I, I think there's some importance there, right? There's a significance there for sure. So uh, let, let, let's talk about Ruth a little bit, right? Um, there's uh, a, a pattern here that I want us to kind of see, all right? Uh, number one, um, there's actually a pattern with how Ruth falls in the Bible compared to actually how uh, David and I, when we were kind of talking about, you know, Preaching through the Bible and Nathan, and everything, we kind of had this same idea. And uh, let me explain. So, and maybe you've noticed, but how we've kind of been doing things is this like flyover style, right? And then every once in a while, we'll dive down and really focus in on a certain aspect of a book. We did not spend a year going through Genesis, right? So we couldn't just hunker down and really get into detail on every tiny little aspect of Genesis. Right? We couldn't do that. We didn't have time. Right? So we try to do this flyover and we come down and we just touch on these individual stories. And then we go back up and we give the general overview. So we 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 know the overall narrative of the Bible, we, we know how it's all fitting together, but every once in a while it's good to slow down and say, but we want to focus on this specific thing. Right? Consider that like our preaching hack for the year, okay? That's, that's how it's like, okay, that's how we're going to handle doing the entire Bible, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, that was our train of thought. So with the book of Ruth, we kind of get that same thing, right? So we have this big, beefy, all these big, beefy books, and you know, Genesis, and Numbers, and Leviticus, all this information, and then we get to Ruth, and it's like God is telling us to intentionally, okay, slow down. Slow down for a second, because they're, instead of talking about the entire nation of israel and all these intertwining stories we, we get to focus in on this one family this one family that has significance okay and i think that's one important thing with ruth is it's it's god telling him, slow down slow down okay uh, so just a brief history. Okay, so Ruth is the story of a Moabite woman. Okay, uh, her, her name, right, is the, is the title of the book. So if you're an Israelite and you see this, you're already, you're already thinking like, whoa, scandal. What, why is a Moabite the star of this book? right? Like you're already kind of thinking that in your head. Okay. Uh, so the Moabites, uh, just again, brief history here, just so we know who we're talking about. They go all the way back to Abraham and Lot, right? You got Abraham, you got Lot. Moabites come from Lot. You got, Lot had two sons, Moab, right? And really fun name, Benami, right? This really fun name. Okay. And then from those lineages, right? We get the Moabites and the Ammonites, all right, we get those two people groups. Now, as we are entering the promised land, as the Israelites are entering the promised land, these are actually the two people groups that God says, you know, don't don't go toward them, don't mess with them, that kind of thing. And uh, I think in the ESV it uses the word "don't harass them," which I thought was really interesting. Uh, excuse me, it was really interesting. Don't harass these two people groups because of Lot, all right? So now we kind of, right? right? So now we kind of know who we're talking about here a little bit. Um, everyone uh, kind of remember the story of Balaam when we were talking about that? Uh, he, he tried to uh, curse the Israelites as they were going through, and he couldn't, all he could do was say blessings. Everyone kind of remember that story? Okay, same people. Okay, now we know who we're talking about. These are the Moabites, all right? Again, brief history. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Moabites in First and Second Kings, 1 and 2 Samuel. We'll, we'll get into them in just a little bit more as we progress. All right. Um, so like I said, we kind of start this book in this, in this scandal because it's the story of a Moabite woman. But if we read Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, we get a lot of information in just this verse. Can we go ahead and pop that one up? Uh, so this is Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. And there, there's a lot of information here just, just in this. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife had, uh, he, sorry, he and his wife and his two sons. All right, so we get a time, and we get a setting. And not just one setting, but we actually get two different settings just in the first verse. A lot of information here. All right. So when we say that Ruth took place in the time of the judges, that's both specific and very vague, which I understand that that comment is both very specific and very vague. But, okay, so when we say the time of the judges, that's like three to four hundred year time span, okay? A lot of time. So that'd be like saying, Jerry lived in the time of the United States, (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, so and that's, all, that's both, you know, kind of specific, because the United States had not been around that long, but also very broad, because we're talking everything from Benjamin Franklin to Elon Musk. There's a lot of, there's a big difference there, right? There's a lot of cultural changes that would have happened. Uh, th- big difference, okay? So that both tells you information, but also it's like, okay, so, so when? Immediately, we understand kind of how the author is going to be setting up this book. Just from that beginning phrase, Ruth took time, uh, took place in the time of the judges is less of a time stamp and more of a cultural commentary, okay? So that's how we need to think about this. It's, the author is wanting us to understand that the story of Ruth that we're getting ready to read took place in a time of corruption and of evil, Okay? So, yes, like I say, it kind of gives us a time frame. And e- even then, maybe, maybe if you were a big history buff, you could kind of figure out there was a famine in the land. Well, how many famines were there in the three to four hundred year time span? Uh, maybe there was only two or three. So maybe you could have, you know, honed in on that a little bit more. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. What we need to understand is that the story of Ruth takes, to- takes place during a time of corruption and evil. And actually, the entire story of Ruth showed, like, is placed in contrast to the previous book of Judges. There's a lot of events that happen in Ruth that give you a very different picture of that time. A lot of events. We're not going to talk about all of them necessarily, but there, there was a lot, okay? Because you, you got corruption, you got evil that's happening in, in, in Judges, and then at the same time, in this book, you have uh, loyalty, faithfulness, and love, just, just a very, very flip of the switch here. And I think that's what's important. That's what we need to get out of here. Now, the next thing is, uh, would be both important to Israelites, but also I, I want to kind of just touch on how important it is to us here, like right now, okay? When we read this and we say famine and a man of Bethlehem, what's the first thing we think about? What? Jesus! Right, that, that's the first person we're going to think about when we read Bethlehem, right? So right now, just you know, if we were saying like this, this was uh, right, like not written to us, but it is written for us. We want to, we know, get something personally out of this. We're like, oh, I know that place. I, I know that I've read about that place, right? So we, we're, our ears are already starting to perk up here, but then you get uh, Sojourn in the country of Moab. <laughs> so now you're an Israelite again, and you're you're reading this. you will be like, what? "Wait a minute! Why are we doing this? Why is he going to Moab? This is ridiculous! Why would he lead his family there from Bethlehem? To like, can we get that map up there? I want to go ahead and point this out." Okay, everyone, see the big big circle here? It says Bethlehem. Everyone see that? Purple. There's Moab. Okay. Does that look like a convenient trip? Right, like you can either come all the way down, get into Edom, which isn't a good idea either. Right, come all the way down, work, you know, come around, get back into Moab, or you know what, you could—I guess—you could try to get across the sea, which wasn't always the safest thing to do with your family during that time. Like, does this look like a convenient trip? No. The answer is no. It's not a convenient trip. And even if it was a convenient trip, why would you go there? Right, the Israelites and the Moabites weren't exactly buddies. Like, there's just so much about this. If you were reading, like, this is weird. This doesn't make sense. Why would he do that? How bad was this famine that it would have forced them completely out of their country? Right? So you're starting to ask all these questions. And we're only in the first verse. Because it's just a weird setting that we're starting to get ourselves into. Right? So, <clears throat> so yeah, even in even in the first verse, we're starting to understand, like, okay, how is the author going to set this up? The thing we need to realize, too, is, is Ruth is what's we're going to call a subplot or, you know, if you're into like video games or something like that, be a side quest. Okay. It supports the overall narrative that we're trying to get at with the Bible, but it can also kind of just stand on its own. Okay. So whenever we're reading through Ruth, that's the reason why we don't see a lot of the same stuff that we would have saw in Judges. So, uh, you know, because it's, it's different. It stand on its own, but it's also supporting the main neg- n- main narrative. Okay. <clears throat> Oh, excuse me, very much. Okay, um, now as we're going through this, excuse me, <clears throat> man, what we want to realize, even though Ruth is is the name of the book, what we're actually seeing here, because you know we got this weird thing going here, we've got uh, Ruth taking place during an evil, corrupt time, and everything. God is actually the star of this book, and we need to remember that. God is the one that is working behind the scenes to orchestrate these events. That's the reason why the subplot exists to begin with is because all of this evil and corruption is happening in Judges. And then you have this, this little book of Ruth that is showing us how God is going to orchestrate these events of a single family, bringing them out for a singular purpose to lead us to Jesus. Because spoiler alert, Ruth leads us to David and follow that lineage all the way to Jesus. And we see God, like I said, orchestrating these events to pull out this family to make this happen. In the midst of evil, God is working everything for our good. We have the story of redemption within the book. But because of it, we get our story of redemption through Jesus Christ, through scandal, through things that just don't make sense. <laughs> God is working it out for us. Ruth is planted strategically between Judges and First Samuel. It ends. Uh, Judges ends with everyone remember the there are, there is no king in Israel right is how, uh, like the last few chapters, right? It really kind of focuses on that phrase. There is no king in Israel. And then you have Ruth, and then you have First Samuel, when we start talking about David. Ruth is strategically placed to solidify that David is the king. He's meant to be the king. His lineage is true. His lineage is correct. That's the one that we need to, to bank on which then leads us all the way to Jesus Christ. Main thing we need to understand too is that there are actually three different redeemers in the book of Ruth. And the number one we, we've already kind of talked about is God. He is the number one star redeemer of the book. I understand Ruth is on the title, but the story's about God, okay? Number two is Ruth. And then number three is this guy that we meet um, in chapter two called Boaz, Um, So he gets this nifty title called the Kinsman Redeemer. um, And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, We actually are going to have a special guest up here in the next oh, one minute. Uh, (laughs) uh, Sarah's going to come up here and give us her little unique perspective on the book of Ruth. Um, She's going to let me come up and embarrass her, which is going to be really fun. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the character of Ruth and things like that when she gets up here. Uh, Right now, I just want to continue to unpack some of the more of the cultural uh, aspects of it. Uh, But so we have we have God, we have Ruth, and we have Boaz, And now Boaz is often seen as the person who kind of rescues the family, redeems the family. Um, and I think just so we understand, you know, the word redeem, I, I, especially like right now, we think redeem, we think, yes, Jesus, redeem me. He is my redeemer. And it's this emotional word that we kind of, but in the basic form, redeem just simply means to pay a debt. Okay, that, that's just kind of the just basic understanding, let's just kind of get there, right? If I go to the house, or if I go to the bank and pay off my house, I have redeemed my house from the bank. Okay, that's the, like, just a basic way to think about it. So whenever Boaz comes and he's going to redeem the family farm and stuff like that, that that's what he's saying, right? He's literally buying property and, and everything like that. That's, that's basically what we need to understand. Now, with Boaz, we do get the added bonus that, you know, he gets, he gets Ruth right, with that, and then that starts the whole line. He, he, but he redeems not only the property, but he redeems the family through a marriage. And we get that more like in Ruth 3. But we, the thing we, uh, that we're going to unpack whenever uh, Sarah gets up here is how Ruth fits into that, okay, as actually the number two redeemer in the story um, and how she uh, ends up, it's not just her loyalty to Naomi, but it's actually her faith uh, that is the driving force of that. Uh, So, with that, I am going to go ahead and invite Sarah to come up as she grins at me. I told her, I was like, I can do this. I I can get my part done in 15 minutes. Watch me do it. And, yeah. (laughs) Have a seat.
1: Are we (laughs) moving down here?
0: Yeah. What she doesn't know is I still have another four-page of notes. (laughs) Let's get over. though. I need a microphone. No that Yeah. All right. Everyone invite Sarah up again. I'm going to sit down. I was tired. <clears throat> All right. Hi. Hi. You ready for this? Sure. <laughs> yeah, should be. All right. Okay, so um, what was it, about two or three years ago um, is when you probably first re- really read through Ruth, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so what, was, what would you think was your first main, main takeaway there? What was your first overall impression the first time you read it?
1: Um, I, it, it the book's just relatable. I, I could just relate to a lot of things in it um, because when you look at why Naomi and Emilek left, it was a famine. They needed to feed their kids. That was relatable. I don't even know if I had the kids yet, but you can say, oh, they needed to feed their kids. They had to leave. There was a famine. And so that was just relatable to me. And, uh, so they left town. Um, David brought up a couple weeks ago, we would lose our minds if we could go, went to the store and didn't have strawberries. Like if a whole of Jeff city didn't have strawberries, we'd be like, what's going on? They didn't have food, any food. So they left town. Um, when all three men died, you know, later on in the story, maybe you don't have, you know, your supporter passing away, but you can relate that three close family members had just passed away. You feel their pain, both Ruth and Naomi, and I want to call her Oprah, but it's not. <laughs> Orpah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, in my every time I read her name, it's Oprah in my head. So <laughs> it just doesn't come out right. <laughs> um, but as you keep reading, you can read that God is faithful. You see it. You see how at the end it's been redeemed, and God is faithful even through the tragedy. And we've all had our tragedy. Some people's valleys are lower than lower than others, but not everyone's are. Um, and so you could, you feel like oh, they were redeemed from. Nut you know, the lowest one of the lowest lows because they didn't have a man in their life to help them, and God still had a plan for them. Um, I found it amazing when Naomi you know, Ruth followed Naomi because. Naomi didn't say, hey, come back home with me. It's going to be great. There's there's so much in my hometown that you, it's going to be great. Just come on. I've got a house. No, she. it was faith and trust. There was no stability promised. There was, um, it, it was a hard decision mm-hmm. to go, or I, I assume it would have been a hard decision. And at that point, you know, when Naomi said, go back to your gods, it didn't say go back to Yahweh. She said, go back to your God. So at that point, we have to assume that Ruth may... Ruth probably was a baby Christian.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's good to you know take the time right here maybe to unpack that a little bit because uh, you know we were talking um, what you said you know Ruth was a, a baby Christian and we, and there's actually in Ruth one at the very end there like around verse 17 uh, when they when Naomi is kind of making her final plea like go go back don't follow me and everything there's that, so God's mentioned a couple times in there but both names are mentioned. Right, and I, I think uh, uh, Tara Lee, right, from Bible crap kind of mentioned this. Um, I, I think, and so it, it, this isn't like some groundbreaking thing that Adam and Sarah figured out, and now we're, Sarah. It's, but it's important enough that it's important enough to repeat, right? So it, it was this idea, like you know, go back to your God, go back to your God, but then also Ruth said, "Your God will be my God." That, but they're using the term Elohim, right, which is like the generic God, the person, the deity, everything. But then it turns around, and Ruth says. Lord, oh, yeah. Lord, and Yahweh, no Yahweh, right? So uh, it's this, this aspect, you know, Ruth has a personal relationship. So there's a shift there. It's not just a change in, well, this God isn't working, so I'm going to move to this one. It's, there's something else going on there. So, um, And then we, one thing that we were, so we've been obviously talking about this, you know, this whole weekend. week. Uh, one thing that we talked about is like, okay, so how did Ruth get there? Right.
1: Um, and we didn't want to pull something out of the Bible that wasn't there. Um, but you could assume that either that one of the, um, her husband, her brother-in-law or her father-in-law or, uh, Naomi were pouring into her, mm-hmm. the whole, all four of them were pouring into her, but probably in the end, it was only Naomi pouring into her. So maybe Naomi didn't think she was doing a good job saying, Hey, oh, you don't believe me? Go back. But there was a seed planted mm-hmm. and
0: yeah. it took root in Ruth. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and, and Ruth doesn't, the book, Ruth does not dive into that it doesn't really unpack that for us or anything
1: like that but there's a change but th- there's a change there was yeah. your god and then nope i'm following your your god
0: mm-hmm. yeah there's there's there's, de- there's definitely a faith thing which uh then is what we see the rest of the book follow that Be- because of a heart change because of a change in faith we see ruth's actions change to match that yep. right um so so what changed this time when you read when you read it through this time as opposed to two to three years ago what changed
1: um, this time, I really liked how we just read judges. You know, we read there's so much context, be- background context that was added. That you know, oh, in the time of the judges, the first time didn't mean anything to me. Now it means so much more. Of that was it wasn't an easy place. It, the yeah, you kind of touched on that already, though. It mm-hmm. was the corrupt. Uh, corruption was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wanted to scream. You're leaving? What? But you, again, you mentioned that too. But I'm like why are you leaving it? Moses said, do not go. And you're leaving and you have two sons that are going to need a wife. Where do you think they're going to get the wife? Um, So yeah, reading it in conjunction with judges was different this time. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, and we already talked about that one. Which one? That, that paragraph. So I'm good. (laughs) You brought that up earlier.
0: Well, you know, notes are meant to be broken as they say. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Uh.
1: (laughs) Okay,
0: uh, all right. Uh, so, from the real reason why you know i say I got you up here is um, I don't know if anyone notices, but I'm actually not a woman, um, but my wife is. Uh, weird how that works. But uh, so from a, from a woman's perspective, that's that's really what I wanted to get here. What do you see as the, like one of the significances of the book?
1: That God did not promise roses and sunshine, happy days all the time. He he said, "I will be by your side." And Ruth. Um, follows Naomi, but also leans on God for that. Um, we have to trust in his promise that he will be with us. Um, he will be our guidance and to follow the Holy Spirit. It doesn't specifically talk about the Holy Spirit, but with everything that's been going on, all the mundane events, the little events that took place, like the Holy Spirit was leading them. Um, and, and it's a um, at every turn, every at the end of every chapter, I think is what Tara Lee says, but Ruth and Ian, we come back together and they praise God for the small steps, everything little. They didn't know when she went in the field that Boaz was going to find favor in her, but he did. And so just all the mundane, small steps, but, um, that God, God provided when they were, they lost all three men in their life and God still provided and brought them up and gave them one heck of a genealogy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, just kind of follow up with that. So What would, if you were like, wanted to say, this is the direct message I wanted to give Hannah, like. She didn't hear that. No, she didn't. Uh, But, you know, to give to Hannah or, you know, any other, you know, mother-to-daughter type of relationship, that kind of thing, like, what what would you want them to hear
1: there? That Ruth is a noble noble character. It's someone you can look towards and um, learn from. She chose the hard path. Um, and was greatly rewarded. I'm not saying the hard path, you have to have a hard path to be rewarded, but she didn't choose the easy easy path of just going back home to her mom and dad and her gods where she knew people. She could have probably easier found a husband, potentially. She chose the hard path of going away, not knowing anyone, potentially never seeing her family again, and she was rewarded. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned you know, the idea of the noble character. Mm-hmm. And I know that was part of our discussion was this idea of uh, noble character, but what um, was uh, virtuous, right? With yeah. the virtuous woman and everything. Um, and what was really cool that, and actually this was just this morning that I kind of made this connection was uh, so Boaz, when we first get introduced to him in Ruth two, uh, he is uh, described as a worthy man. And the, 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 ta- the other time that we hear that particular term is actually back in Judges, in the story of Gideon. And it's whenever, uh, maybe you remember this or not, but uh, it's that phrase, mighty man of valor. Mighty, my, ooh, wow. Mighty men of valor, because at that point it was plural. Um, and it was you know this term of endearment and everything, right? So the, the, the word there is actually um, gibbor. And whenever we, Boaz is described as a worthy man, it's actually the same language. It's the same term. Uh, so this idea of mighty man of value or a worthy man, it's, it's the same language. And then he, here's the really, the, the really cool connection here is the virtuous woman is also, it's the same language. It's all the same language there. Uh, so, you know, God's kind of making this connection there and which is directly connected with um, uh, uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 31, 31, right? So now I know you wrote down a few scriptures from Proverbs 31 that you wanted to just kind of talk about real quick. Right. So, All
1: right. So I defined virtuous woman because I, I, I needed that in my world. And so virtuous just means behavior behavior showing high morals. Um, and so we've got uh, the... Uh, a a slide. that's slide. What I'm yeah, to yeah, go to. Proverbs 31. Right. slide. So if you look and just go read Proverbs 31 at the very beginning, read Ruth and read that you're like, well, Ruth doesn't show all those. And no, Ruth does not show all Proverbs 31 virtuous women scriptures. She doesn't yet. I believe by the end of her life, she probably, or she does. Um, but at the very beginning she does not. There are definitely ways that she does. Um, it's not there. Um, she rises. She rises while it is in yet night, and provides food for her household and portions for her ma- uh, maidens. She provides food for Naomi over and over. She, hey, go to this field. She she works hard. She um, provides. Um, she has strength to persevere because nah, I'm not sure I could do everything she did. Uh, she just keeps going, keeps going. Go- again we've kind of talked about that um, she 's showing a willingness to help the needy and the poor. She was needy and poor, and she said oh i 'm still going to help the needy and poor it 's not she didn 't just sit down and whine and say, "Oh poor me um, she took She took charge of it um, she uh, she didn 't leave Naomi ah, there we go. alone when she was stuck <laughs> to give her uh she, yeah, Naomi would have been stuck had Ruth. We didn't touch on that. Naomi would have been stuck if Ruth didn't go with her. She didn't have any, a husband and she didn't have any sons, so there would have been no one to care for. Her. Uh, so Ruth stuck by her and also gave her a grandson in return mm-hmm. um, and provided her food and was her redeemer. Yeah. Yep. yeah. A different uh, – I want to go back to this. Um, Boaz, when Boaz is talking about Ruth, he only talks about her character – her strength, her, um, he praises her for her work. Ruth could have talked a different way, dressed a different way the whole time. She knew she needed to get a husband, but that's not what she, what she did. She just um, continued to work, worked hard, um, kind of stuck to herself a little bit. Um, and, and yeah, that's what Boaz talks about, or the author talks about, was just her heart, how she shows it mm-hmm. and allows God, God's work to be done.
0: Um, yeah. So there's the slides that Sarah just kind of or the, the slide. The, yeah, the, the scriptures, scriptures that I thought yeah. helped define uh,
1: Ruth. Yeah, and, and not all Proverbs 31 does at the beginning.
0: Right. But these are just the specific ones, right? For sure. So, um, so yeah. Is there is there any other just final thoughts that you wanted to touch on? Or
1: I think we hit them all.
0: Okay. So the the, the other thing that I know just in in our conversation that we wanted people to know was how how Ruth And her character and how all of that, you know, it it leads us not only what she was, like Sarah was saying, like it leads us to look at her as an example, but also, you know, how I was saying earlier, how Ruth fits into the overall narrative and kind of solidifies, you know, the lineage of David that sends us to Jesus and everything and how all that connects. And I think that's one of the things that makes the book of Ruth so interesting is how it has those two different levels in four chapters. Uh, It's a a powerful book in that way. Um, You know, we see um, just through her character, through all of that, we see, you know, the love, the faithfulness, the, the, all that kind of stuff, the, the kind of character that, you know, we would like to see in ourselves and everything, but we see it in the midst of chaos and, you know, corruption and evil. And we, you know, we see all of that. And it's, it's this direct point of how redemption works, right? Because as all of that was going on, God set forth a series of events that would eventually redeem us in that same fashion. You know, Jesus would come and he would see all of that. And in the midst of you know, all the, the, the Roman stuff that was happening during that time, in the midst of all that evil, you know, uh, uh, Nathan kind of uh, touched on it a little bit actually in his call to worship, where, you know, Jesus came in peace. He could have came very differently, but he came in peace during a time of evil and all that, right? And we, we see that. And as it continues, down that lineage, down that story, we see God how He orchestrates our redemption, how He orchestrates it through peace, not war, and all that. And I, I just think that, uh, that how the story just keeps going with that is is just super interesting to me. Um, and so uh, we wanted to leave with this idea of how uh, how, to, how to practically apply what we re- what we learn from Ruth and. Uh, you know, a, apply it practically, right? So uh, and that's with the story of Ruth and Naomi and how they interact, right? So Naomi was pretty hopeless. Oh, yeah. Pretty hopeless, right? And, and, she, yeah, and she
1: may not have been right at the beginning, losing your husband. Okay, well, I still have two sons. And then she lost both sons.
0: Yeah. Well, she changes her name. She, oh, Mara. To Mara, right? The <laughs> uh, bitterness. The bitterness, right. And Ruth, Ruth stuck with her mm-hmm. through all of that.
1: Right. Yeah, she might not have been a very, I never thought about it. She probably wasn't a very fun person to be around at that point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> probably not, for sure. But, but Ruth stuck with her, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think just how we see Ruth interact with Naomi is what we would like everyone to just kind of take away from the book. Is when you, when you see someone that is hopeless, when you see someone that's low and down and everything, how, uh, how does our faith compel us to interact with that person? You know, and I think that uh, Galatians six two is is where we go with that, and that's uh, bear one another's burdens, um, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, and so when, whenever you're thinking this week, um, and you're, you're praying for someone, and someone comes to mind, everything you, you're praying with them. How, and how else do you, do you bear that burden with that person? You know, learn from Ruth. You know, Ruth obviously took. Major action and how she she bared that burden, uh, but you know, ask God. Ask God how you should help and bear that burden with someone else. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to move to another country. Uh, uh, you know, ask Him. He's He's gonna be able to help you through that through the Spirit. So, uh, well, Sarah, thank you. We're gonna go ahead and transition this out to a time of uh, response. So thank you for coming up. Let's go ahead and move this out of the way too. Yeah. Okay, like I said, we're going to go ahead and uh, really thank Sarah for coming up and uh, kind of giving her perspective on that. We're going to go ahead and move into our response time and uh, just kind of some final thoughts here. Uh, guys, when, when we're reading small books like this, um, I, I think the tendency, like, especially when we get into the New Testament, there's going to be this like, well, this is a little book, you know, this isn't going to mean much, or we're going to just read through it real quick, oh, or you might be relieved, like, only one book this day or this week, right? (laughs) You're going to get to that. But a lot of times, if you just take the time and slow down, uh, just like Ruth, you know, it kind of feels like this intentional slow down in the overall narrative. If you take the time to do that, you're going to find that these little books actually have a lot of meat, a lot of meat and a lot of really good stuff. Um, Because, you know, Ruth is what leads us directly to Jesus and directly uh, that, you know, he is ultimately our Redeemer. And we see this, this different level of redemption just throughout the story of Ruth leading us directly to him. Uh, so uh, just to kind of reiterate this, this practical idea of you know just praying for someone else uh, this week and thinking, man, Lord, lead me to help bear a burden with somebody. You know, Naomi just felt absolutely hopeless. And Ruth, Ruth was just there for her. You know, in the very practical sense, like how can we just be there for somebody? How can we pray for them? How can we bear that burden with them? Uh, So, yeah, so as we use uh, the character of Ruth as just kind of an example uh, this morning. um, And as we're responding to our music and uh, just, just think through that and kind of pray through that. And have maybe God has someone that he wants to lay on your heart this morning.